0: So, I'm going to start now. I'm not going to do my regular start because mm-hmm. I'm changing it up. Now. So, I've wrestled back control of the show. It's mine again for this week. Today's episode of Connected is brought to you by Squarespace, PDF Pen, and Pingdom. There is no Steven, so. You know, if you've been enjoying the Stephen regime, uh, it has been overthrown for one week. And I'm joined by Federico. Hi, Federico.
1: Hi, Mike. You you have banned Stephen from this podcast.
0: Yeah, he has been banned. Banned for bad behavior. So mm. that's what happens now. When Stephen's not on the show, he has been banned. Because when I'm on the show, I'm dead. So Stephen has been Stephen, yeah p- putting time out. He has
1: done done unimaginable things, and Mm -hmm. we needed to ban Stephen because of the things he's done, which we cannot share. But Stephen has done the unthinkable, and, and he didn't deserve to be on the show anymore.
2: So here's the deal, dear listener. I wasn't on this episode, but I am editing this episode. I have not been banned. I will not have my name sullied by these so-called co-host of mine. So every once in a while during this episode, I may chime in and add my own thoughts. And as
0: is usual, when when Stephen doesn't show up, uh, there is no follow-up, so there will be no follow-up today. Um, I am going to do a piece of follow-out, which is to recommend uh, and let people know about a new show that we have at Relay FM called Subnet. Subnet is hosted by The Banished One, Stephen Hackett, um, and it is a week on weekdays. Uh, Stephen posts a couple of minutes every morning, for for you with tech head it's all the tech stories you want to know so subnet is our basically our flash briefing show and it is available on amazon echoes and google homes um, and you can also tune in on your home pod and and federico has a little hack for that which he tells about in a minute but what i love about subnet i'm kind of getting ready in the morning and i'm making my coffee and i ask my echo to give me my flash briefing and Stephen tells me about the technology stories that i need to know and i feel like i'm somebody who is pretty informed about technology but every day he tells me stories that for some reason I had no idea existed, uh, which is very good because it's kind of just helping me keep abreast of what's happening in the wider world of technology. So it covers all kinds of technology. It's very, very good. Very, very good. Go to relay.fm slash subnet and you can find out more about how to subscribe or you can just uh, set it up on your Google Home or on your Amazon Echo uh, there are skills that you can enable currently these skills are only available in the u s and the u k but they are being expanded to i think basically every native english speaking country uh, we 're doing this with anchor we 're working with anchor and they're and anchor are working with Amazon on our behalf. Turns out Amazon are really difficult with the skill stuff and the language support it 's Really friggin' annoying, but we're working on it. But uh, you can go and you can try it out. Or you can listen to it on iOS devices with the Apple Podcast app, which also extends out to HomePod. And because Siri sucks, uh, it tries to play for me a Shakespeare sonnet every time. I'm not kidding. When I ask for subnet, it plays me a sonnet. <laughs> Federico, you have, a, uh, you have a, a, a tip that you stole, um, which you've incorporated into your life.
1: Yes, I saw this tip on Twitter uh, courtesy of Terra Man. Uh it's it's a way to if you have a HomePod especially or just any device with Siri um to create uh in the Apple Podcasts app which I've been testing again because of the HomePods um you can create uh what are called stations so are basically playlists uh they're called stations and the benefit of Setting up a station in the in the HomePod, or rather in the Apple Podcast app, and to use the HomePod is that you can ask Siri to play your station with just a single command, which is very convenient because, of course, um, you know Siri integration is limited to to Apple own apps. Um, and what I what I do and what Terra also does is you create a station and to this station you add a bunch of these new types of daily shows like Subnet or 9to5Mac daily. Uh, actually, if you have recommendations for other daily tech shows like two-minute, three-minute uh, podcasts, I would love to know. And every morning when you're making coffee or having breakfast or something, you can ask Siri to play your station. Um The limitation that I've found is that my station is called Tech News, and if I ask Siri to play my Tech News, it starts playing some kind of uh, unrelated tech podcast that is called Tech News, which is not in my library, which is kind of weird because uh, it goes to iTunes search. I guess, to find that show. Anyway, the correct syntax for me is to say play my tech news podcast station. Um, Because if I omit the word podcast, it also starts playing a a radio station on Apple Music, which I I guess there's a tech news station on Apple Music for some reason. Uh, Anyway, if you say play my tech news podcast station, it'll work and it'll sync with iCloud. Also, this is a this is a, uh, a like a sub level. Teach a tip. I would say uh, make sure that if you're using the Apple Podcasts app, that you manually pull to refresh. Because I've I've discovered that sometimes, unless you once you stop listening on your iPhone and you want to continue on the mm. HomePod, sometimes you gotta manually sync your progress. You gotta force Otherwise, to in. Mm-hmm. You gotta force to sync. Otherwise, the HomePod will not pick up your playback position. So yeah, create a station, add subnet uh, to the station, bunch of other daily shows and listen to stevens uh you know soft tones as yep. you're brewing coffee in the morning it's perfect for that
0: so apple had a press release today about some apple watch features right yes um
1: which is kind of strange because these features they actually launched with uh watch 4.2 in december uh, but Apple decided today to have this kind of big marketing push uh, with the press release, a bunch of stories and, and recommendations on the App Store, and I assume some more media coverage uh, coming later this week. What they are doing is they are promoting uh, Watch apps that use the new workout APIs in WatchOS 4.2 to integrate uh, skiing and snowboarding activities with uh, with the workout API, with the health app on the iPhone, and with the activity app on the iPhone and Apple Watch. Um, and these apps include Slopes by our friend Curtis Herbert, and there's another called Snow with two Ws, which I originally thought it was a typo from the Apple press release. <laughs> it's like Snow. <laughs> but no, snow. it's uh, <laughs> that's the name. And it's interesting because I see it as a way so as and I should say before I move on uh, that you will be able to track the vertical descent, the horizontal distance of your runs, the number of runs, your speed, your total time, and your calories burned, which is pretty actually pretty neat. This is pretty awesome. Anyway, I think it's interesting because it's it's a fascinating PR approach to what is effectively a delayed feature which was originally announced with the Apple Watch Series Series 3 in September delayed to WatchOS 4.2 in December and now promoted at the end of February on the App Store and with the press release through the help of third-party developers. I think it's an interesting approach to, you know, we've been talking about Apple sort of having this uh, a bunch of iOS features and watchOS features sort of scattered throughout the year. And this is another approach to that problem of how do we make a big push? Well, we, we ask developers to coordinate their app updates with us. So that we can have one cohesive story with a press release, uh, a dedicated section uh, in the Today view of the App Store, and uh, you know we can maybe get in touch with some websites that talk about you know ski resorts and that type of stuff, like dedicated publications, so we can have more coverage. I think it's really smart from a from NPR perspective.
0: I think one of the things about this that interests me the most is that Apple built the APIs but didn't put it into the worker app themselves. Yeah. Which is weird. Because like, they built this for swimming, right? Because swimming and uh, like skiing, right? There are specific movements that are specific to that type of activity that if you want to track properly, you have to do the work. Like, I... One of my favorite things that the watch can do, it knows what type of swimming I'm doing. It knows if I'm doing backstroke, oh, really? freestyle, yeah, or wow. uh, breaststroke. And it will, li- when I'm done with a with a swim, it will list out what it believes I've done in in like in meters in each stroke. And that's because of the work they've put in. It's not simply like how long are you doing this for, right? Which you know, I would assume for a lot of the general workout activities, they're just tracking how long have you been doing doing this for um, estimating some kind of distance based upon what type of work you're doing and showing you the calories burned, right? That's like the, the general thing. But they went into specifics of swimming in the same way that they've gone into specifics of skiing, but they haven't included skiing into the workouts app. So one thing that i look at, I find this interesting, but another way that I look at it is I expect now many more types of activities like this, which are kind of like pseudo sport like sports for a lot of people, but like they act they're like recreational activities for others, where the apple start to rely on third parties so they don't clog up the workout app right so yeah, other types of uh activities right like i don't know maybe rowing or football or tennis or you know something like that where you're doing some other kind of sporting activity
1: well tennis is a sport i think
0: (laughs) well yeah but it's all but it's it's something people play in the same way that like skiing is a is a sport right but do you know what i mean like yeah finding and when when i said rowing i meant like literally rowing in a boat not in like a machine um so like i don't know i expect that kind of I, i i honestly expect to see them do more with this exposing the apis but then kind of just giving it over to third parties to to work on i think that that is a i think that's a good approach it's an interesting yeah. approach at least
1: yeah yeah i mean because you're still burning calories and you're still doing physical exercise even mm-hmm. if you're shoveling snow now i don't think apple will <laughs> <laughs> Will have like a shoveling type of workout uh, in the in the workout app, but maybe someone else could make a third party app for you know if you live in Chicago like our friend John and and mm-hmm. you need to shovel snow on, on a weekly basis in the winter. Uh, I mean that that's an exercise, you know. I hear from John that <laughs> and
0: wouldn't that be kind of cute, right? Like if they were to sneak stuff like that in, yeah. Right, like it can tell, it's like, hey, are you shoveling snow right now? Let's like There's something kind of fun about that that I would kind of like.
2: I spent some time yesterday digging holes in my yard, dealing with some old house problems, and this would be pretty nice. I think I tweeted that I actually filled my exercise ring by digging holes. It wasn't a single workout, but the, uh, the Apple Watch knew that I was working harder than I normally do. And by the way, my plumbing it's all fixed.
1: Uh, so we we have some news regarding uh, ring uh, mike w- what is ring exactly
0: ring is a digital doorbell a video camera doorbell uh, i will say they have been a sponsor of relay fm like a year or so ago but like it's not important for this discussion uh, that's but I just mention that's it.
1: that's what <laughs> that's totally why they've been acquired by amazon <laughs>
0: yeah we gave them the platform that they needed uh to go ahead and be acquired for one billion dollars by amazon but it's like one of it's like a home security system but it goes on the outside of the door you know like it's got uh sensors in it it's got a camera in it uh my uncle has one of them and it's it's cool like it is a cool piece of technology because you know you can if, if anybody walks past it will send a notification to you and you can speak to people through the doorbell uh, they also do cameras like they expand it to like everything right creating like a home security system well it was announced yesterday that amazon have bought ring for a billion dollars uh, it is expected that they are going to use this as a way to bolster the um, amazon key project which is you may remember this this is the thing where uh amazon will set you up with like you buy it but they come and fit it a lock some kind of camera doorbell and i think they were using i think ring was one of the camera doorbells they were working with anyway um, and that meant that delivery drivers could come to your house they could be let in they could just leave a package for you and go all right yeah right mm. so it is expected and i think it's easy to see that they have bought Ring so they can brand their own technology and use Ring's expertise in helping them create and expand this. And maybe even also, and probably very likely, offering this as a service to existing Ring digital doorbell owners. Right? Hmm. Because they have also bought probably, and I think it's pretty easy to assume, the largest current user base of digital doorbells. They have just bought those, right? Because... Ring is pretty popular, and I mean, I I honestly don't know another one. I'm sure that there are other ones, but like Ring is the only one, at least in my mind, that occupies any kind of like brain space. Um, so, so this is
1: not—is this also a door lock or just a doorbell? With I believe video?
0: that Ring only do a doorbell. That is correct. And okay. but there are other companies that do door locks. I mean, honestly, I now expect to see. If there is some kind of third-party vendor that makes locks, right? I expect to see Amazon buy them now as well.
1: Like, like, uh, is that like the uh, August smart lock? Yeah, I I know that one. I know that one. And then there Mm. are
0: existing companies like Kensington, right, who make make actual locks. They make them as well, right? Because they're trying to make sure that they remain relevant, which is a smart thing to do. Um, so I kind of have a couple of thoughts about this. That kind of questions, like. If you're a customer of Ring, like how 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 would you feel about this? Like is it frustrating to have the company that you've kind of invested into your home change hands and then possibly change direction? But if you get additional features, is it worth it? Like what do you think about this? I know that neither of us have these, but like how how do you expect you would feel if you were a customer of Ring? I wonder if the
1: customer of Ring um is the type of person who also owns an
0: Amazon Echo. Um, Because if that's the case... I mean, there's got to be a pretty good overlap. Like if you're in the digital doorbell world, you probably have another product that hooks into that sort of stuff.
1: Exactly. Now, if you are a Google person, now this may be a problem because you are in a different ecosystem.
0: Oh man, I'm t- I'm I am i i would not be surprised if Amazon still extended that out. You know what they're like. I mean, all of this stuff is just to make sure that people buy more things from Amazon.
1: I don't know. At, on one on one hand, there's the ecosystem play that I think it's uh, it's interesting to consider. Like if you're the tech-obsessed person who buys a digital doorbell because you want streaming video when someone rings at your door? Um, Are you happy that now Amazon owns the doorbell? Um, But also there's the fact that this ties into the whole system of the Amazon delivery person is coming to your house. And now we have a better, like, I I don't want to, I don't want this to sound wrong, but You could make the case for the Ring Doorbell to be an employee monitoring system for Amazon to check how their delivery
0: people actually work. I think that that is definitely another part of the Amazon (laughs) Key project, that they get to (laughs) know how their people are actually working. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's not a wild thing to assume. (laughs) There has been this...
1: uh, Now, I don't know if this is actually... You know that... I should give you some context. Uh, Italian folks have been obsessed with this word that they have discovered over the past few months under the elections, which is fake news. Uh, Now, everywhere in Italy, on a daily basis, on the news, uh, on websites, on newspapers, you see mentions of fake news. And there's been this story that, that was going around a few weeks ago of Amazon using ankle bracelets, (laughs) on employees working in the Italian shipping center, distribution center uh, in Northern Italy, um, using these ankle bracelets to monitor what the employees were doing inside of the warehouse. And there's been this huge outcry uh, about these ankle bracelets, and uh, I think a couple of Amazon spoke people. Uh, they uh, they they said oh, we're doing um, this. This is just like a like a patent. Uh, it's not like a real product. This is fake news, but. I think even the fact that Amazon is exploring the idea of, you know, ankle bracelets
0: like you still thought of it
1: <laughs> like the like the devices that you know law enforcement use use for house arrest basically <laughs> and you use those to monitor employees even the <laughs> fact that that somebody at Amazon thought about this idea is terrifying to me and so when you mentioned the doorbell with video and the amazon key project i mean of course they're going to check on how the amazon delivery person <laughs> actually does the work at your uh, your door man it's it's creepy from that let point me ask
0: you a super quick question because we never actually spoke about um the amazon key like it was in my list for a while and we just never got to it would you use this I mean you have a very specific <laughs> problem, right? Would you oh, use no. this?
1: <laughs> no, no, no. You wouldn't? not a single No, not a single chance. Mm. Not I, I'm not letting anybody in my house, not okay. even in, you know, not even before like in the in the area between the front door and the actual door. I don't know if there's a name for that, like like a Yeah, hallway. like the porch or whatever. Like the porch oh, or you something. You mean like the, yeah. the
0: hallway? Okay, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: I'm um, like no, no. My personal stance is that no, the the package stays outside.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't have a complete answer. Mm. Why? It depends. <laughs> because I fully appreciate the creepiness to it, but I would want to like weigh this up in the way that I weigh up every argument of like creepiness versus convenience. The, the good thing is I'm at home most of the time when Amazon deliveries are coming in. But, like, if I didn't work at home, I might consider this. Like, if my mm. house is empty every day, Amazon just can't deliver to me, like, ever. But if I had this, then they can. And I know that I hate it when I miss deliveries.
2: Maybe you should just move next door to a bakery.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Uh, it just... Creepy from that point of view, and as you mentioned, real quick, it's not an ankle bracelet; it's a wristband. Uh, I found, I
0: found. So that's uh, that's still still... wristband feels better than ankle bracelet in a way that I can't fully explain.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're still, you're still asking employees to put on a thing that. uh, Uh Anyway, anyway, um, I understand why why you would like the idea of never missing a delivery,
0: Mm. but still there's the idea of but yeah this is this is my thing like this isn't a a, like a clear-cut thing because there is still that hmm but hmm but that runs around in my brain um because this isn't this isn't a problem with amazon this is a problem with other humans do you know what i mean like a lot of these problems are like i have a problem with the company but I don't necessarily have a problem with the company but this is just like random people walking into my home yes, right yes so that that's the problem I have there's a there's a good video that I put in the show notes from the Washington Post where they, they they put a video together about this like showing how people are actually delivering it looks interesting. I, I recommend people go and watch it. But anyway, uh, let's take a break and thank Squarespace for supporting the show. Enter the offer code WORLD at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace to let you easily create a website for your next idea. And with the ability to grab a unique domain name, take advantage of award-winning templates, have it all backed up with 24-7 customer support and so much more, they are the perfect all-in-one platform to let you put your ideas online. No matter what type of website you want to make, Squarespace has all of the tools that you're going to need. You don't have to install anything. You don't have to patch or upgrade anything. They take care of all of that stuff for you. Maybe you want to make a blog. Maybe you eventually want to add a store to it. Maybe you have a gallery of images that you want to show in a beautiful portfolio. Maybe you have a business and you want to be able to show people information like maps and opening times and all that kind of jazz. Squarespace has all of the tools for all of these and so much more. If you can imagine it, I'm sure you can build it with Squarespace. Their plans start at just $12 a month but you can sign up for a free trial today. With with no credit card required, by going to squarespace.com. Then, when you sign up for a plan, use the offer code WORLD W O R L D to get ten percent off your first purchase and show your support for Connected. Our thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of this show and Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So, uh, do you remember? There's a uh, probably a month or so ago, Ming Chi Kuo had a report in like with KJR Securities. About the upcoming line of iPhones for this year, right, mm-hmm. and it included yeah. a complete refresh, three phones, different sizes, etc et etc cetera, et cetera. Uh, as of yesterday when we 're recording this, so on'll uh, oh, be monday monday twenty sixth of february uh Mark Gurman... Um, I was going to call him Mark Bloomberg, which was something that Jason <laughs> did on Upgrade. So there's just something in me now. Uh,
1: he said he said Bloomberg or something.
0: <laughs> Bloomberg, that was it. Mark Bloomberg. Uh, the, the 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 very talented uh, Mark German, um reported in Bloomberg, basically confirming this and giving some additional details. So based upon Mark's sources, in 2018, we're going to see three phones. The first one, which is kind of the headline of this, is an iPhone 10 Plus. It will have a screen. It will be basically the body of the, the current Plus model with a screen size of close to 6.5 inches, making it one of the largest screens in a mainstream phone on the market. Um, the possibility of the screen resolution of this would be 1242 by 2688, which is the most awkward screen resolution I think I've ever come across. Bunch of random numbers. Just, <laughs> just, a, just a nothingness. Uh, it will have all of the features from the 10, like an OLED screen, a Face ID, and Apple are considering adding a dual SIM card slot this would be for the first time done. This is this is a big feature in some markets um, in Europe and in Asia. It's for business travelers, right? When you're traveling across a landmass where you might need different SIM cards, which is not necessarily a thing that happens in the US. Um, it depends on availability of carrier, but obviously the Apple SIM would be a perfect task for this, like on the iPad, so you could just buy whatever you need when you need it. Um, but as you can understand, carriers are pushing Apple on this which is why the a- Apple SIM does not exist in a phone right now. Um, as well as the iPhone X Plus, there will be an update to the iPhone 10, probably like an iPhone XS or something like that. Um, it will feature a faster processor, all the regular updates, um, but they are considering adding a gold color to the line, which this phone would get. And then also, I mean, I don't know which is more interesting to me, either the Plus or this, which is a lower-cost iPhone 10 style phone. Uh, let's call it the iPhone 9 for the sake of conversation, because that makes sense. Uh, I, wanna, I
1: wanted to go with iPhone 10 Lite, but sure. Just,
0: let's just keep it simple. <laughs> uh, uh, so the, the iPhone 9 uh, will look basically like the iPhone 10. It will feature an edge-to-edge screen. It will have Face ID and a notch, but will feature an LCD screen instead of OLED, and aluminium on the edges instead of stainless steel. It keeps the glass back for wireless charging. So I'm going to ask you, Federico, so this is the lineup, right? Why are Apple expanding this line so fast, both up and down?
1: So I had this conversation with my girlfriend a while back when the rumor first appeared. I Because I wanted to measure her reaction, so she's still using the iPhone 7. She didn't want to upgrade to the iPhone 8, and she didn't want to get an iPhone 10. And... I told her uh, so. Apple may be doing three iPhones this year. They're gonna do like an iPhone 10, but faster, uh, a bigger iPhone 10 Plus, and uh, a new like lower priced iPhone that looks like the 10, but it's not the real 10. And her first reaction was, "Why are they doing the cheap iPhone again? Nobody wants the cheaper iPhone." So there's now. I don't think she's totally right in her assessment of the situation. But I think she's right in that there's a perception of, especially this year, of Apple has done these two iPhones uh where the iPhone 8 and the 8 Plus. I count them as one but basically there's a perception, I think, that people see this old uh, boring iPhone that nobody wants and the cool new iPhone that is too expensive. Now... um and I, and I think, you know, that the numbers, they speak for themselves that, you know, Apple still sold a lot of iPhones and some folks are saying they didn't sell enough iPhone 10 units and others are saying the iPhone 8 sold surprisingly well. I'm not talking about the numbers here. I'm talking about I think there's a general perception. There's a sense that nobody wants the cheap the cheaper not the cheap the cheaper iphone
0: you know i'm going to take it a step further than that actually cuz i i'm agreeing with the majority of what you're saying here but there is there is a different point which you have to consider of how long it takes to make these phones right so like yeah, sure. this plan will have been in place before the iphone 10 came out in theory because how you know you need, there's a long lead time on making these things so it isn't i don't believe that it is about public perception I believe it is Apple's assumption of future public perception that would have made them make this decision, which is like the general agreed upon notion that phones with new designs sell better, right? And they are more appealing. So like, I I don't think that this is a reaction. I think a lot of people are painting this and I'm not saying you were, but a lot of people paint this as like a reaction to the iPhone 10 in some way. I don't think it's that at all. It is... The assumption of smart product designers about what people will think of their products.
1: Yeah, but in any case, the conclu- the conclusion is the same, uh, you know. So that that's yeah, the-
0: that that was my point. Like the conclusion is the same, but but I just wanted to say, like I, I agree with what you're saying, but I just think that like where it comes from is slightly different.
1: Yeah, but uh, you know, from from a general public perspective, uh, the you know, folks they do not assume that. Oh yes, Apple totally planned this, and I agree with mm-hmm. you. I I want to believe that they saw this in advance. People will see this as a reaction and they will say, Oh, so Apple also knows that they, you know, the iPhone 8 didn't do well. And so they're making every iPhone like the iPhone 10, which I think, you know, no matter the angle that you're taking to evaluate this, I think is the right decision. That there's the idea of new that, as Don Draper used to say, creates a niche in people. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, It's a way to get into people's minds, to make something feel new. So, I agree. Whereby agree, uh, I mean, I think it's a good idea to to have three iPhones that look new, and especially the 10 Plus. I think both you and I were going to totally get one because it sounds incredible—a
0: 6.5-inch screen iPhone. It's that's yeah, imagine that bonkers. The <laughs> iPad Mini is 7.9 yeah. inches, like. Yeah, it was gonna be like next level. I'm gonna feel like I'm holding a billboard. It's just be incredible.
2: As I've said before, I'm not sure that a larger iPhone 10 really is for me. I've gotten used to the smaller form factor, but I definitely would want to check one out if this rumor does come true in the fall.
1: Yeah, but I want to talk about this cheaper one mm-hmm. because I have a few questions. I want to know how can Apple differentiate the line? How, how, like even the basic stuff, how do you pick a name? Uh, I mean, let's assume iPhone 9, okay. Uh, how do you separate features Um color uh, options storage capacities or how do you sell the idea that this one doesn't have OLED do you want to explain OLED versus LCD or do you just gloss over and pretend it's not a difference so where do you draw the line is it the camera do you get like a like a inferior camera on the 9 but you get the better one on the 10 and the best on the on the 10 plus do you do you do as- Do you make the 10 Plus the the best option in terms of battery or memory? Does Apple want to mention memory? I don't think so. Um, I just wonder what's the best way to explain people why this iPhone that looks like the 10, but it's not a 10, costs less um, without making it too technical. Here is my
0: my theory on this, right? You draw as little lines as you possibly can. And and I think there's two reasons for this. One, Apple should have learned from the 5C. They drew a lot of lines Mm -hmm. with the 5C and it didn't sell very well right and i think apple were expecting and hoping to keep that phone around for a while and they kind of didn't because there wasn't that much difference between the c and the s right it it was a small price difference and it was very different visibly so i expect that this phone will look as close as they can possibly make it to look like the iphone 10 if there are colors it will have all of the colors it will have and it will be pretty close i mean i would even say it will get like and the, I have a reason for this, I think it will get like the fastest chip available at the time, so they'll all get new chips, they'll give the best camera they can possibly give it, so it will be an improvement on the 8, right? Maybe it gets the camera the iPhone X has, for example. And the reason that I think they do all of this, they, they pack this thing full of features, because it stays around for three years. And that they keep this phone in the lineup as a cheaper version of the iPhone X, when they push the more expensive ones forward, and then they slow the, the development down on the cheaper version, it continues to become cheaper whilst continuing to look fresh and is full of like features that's going to last a couple of years. So they effectively have a second iPhone SE. That's, that's my theory hmm. on this.
1: Yeah, that could be. That makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, my only preoccupation is that... Um the not for the ten plus, but the, the difference between the the nine and the ten will be hard to tell, unless there's some visual cues Uh like well, uh, the stainless notch steel in the and ten is different
0: will be a big one, right? Like visually, could,
1: could be, could be, could be, but most people keep it in a case, so uh, that that element is sort of more subdued, I guess. Um, I ju- I just. I guess that in any instance, uh, this is probably good news for Apple because uh, at that point you just want to have one of two new phones, and you're not creating that sense of oh, I'm spending money to buy a phone that looks old, but everybody's gonna be happy anyway mm-hmm. because the phone looks new. So that's that's a good news and the, that you
0: know. Nom- I would say the thing is if you look at the six, the six S, the seven, and the seven S, that would argue potentially. Apple don't really care about trying to make the phone look different from other ones, right? Those phones, they didn't really do anything specific to make them look visibly different than the ones that came before it. So they may just apply that thinking to this. So like the the 9 and the 10, they look basically the same.
1: Do we think that they're making the... Because when the iPhone 8 came out, uh, a lot of the... A lot of other folks with websites and tech podcasts, they made the argument that the iPhone 8 was a classic design mm-hmm. that it didn't need to change. So if they're changing it with the iPhone 10, are they doing it because they don't think that design is classic anymore or is it because it's the right thing to do to move the line forward or is it because of more profits? It has to go away eventually,
0: right? Like you you can't keep that design around literally forever. Unless it's the SE. <laughs> well, but the SE, I think the SE, that exists in size, not design. So they wouldn't be able to shrink that design down in theory, right? Like I think the SE exists for size and price and I expect them to do something there with that going into the future. But like, it's just like, you know, I, I agree that it is like, like a classic design because it's been around for so long and they got, took it to its Mac to its end. But like you can't just keep it around forever for the sake of it. And you know what? They'll probably keep it in the lineup for one more year as an even cheaper cheaper phone, right? Like you could still buy it if you wanted to. You know, like that you keep the old design around for a while as they've always done. They could still do that because it will probably they'll probably still be able to sell the iPhone eight for cheaper than the iPhone nine, right? So they may just keep it around for another year or two as an even cheaper version of, of a phone to buy. Um but uh you know, I, I think you've got to move on from it. Personally, I think it's the right thing to do to move on. Yeah. Um, if anything, just mm. to continue to proliferate Face ID um, as a as a thing, right? Face ID and wireless charging. Get that into every phone that you release now, like how they did with Touch ID. Right? You put Touch ID into every product. Like Apple should not be releasing a new iOS device in 2018 that doesn't include Face ID. Like yeah, that's sh- yeah. that's just what they should be doing now. If they if they're releasing a kind of top class product, it should include Face ID. Like I would like mm. to see Face ID on the SE, but I don't know what I don't know. I don't even know if they know what they're going to do with that. Right? Like that seems like a really difficult problem to solve. Like if you're going to keep the SE around, what do you do with it? But yeah, I, I'm very interested in this. I do have a question for you actually about the 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 Plus phone. Um. In Gurman's article, he says that there are concerns that the larger phone could cut into the iPad market. I rolled my eyes at this, uh, and I wondered what you think.
1: I don't think it's the case. It's not the you same. Are, you are like it's not the same. It's not this because even if the size is inching closer to you know to the to an iPad Mini. There's still a like an ergo- a big ergonomic difference between holding an iPhone Plus and an iPad Mini.
0: And, you know, you'd expect it's going to look like a big iPhone from a UI perspective, and applications will treat it like a big iPhone. Yes. They're not going to treat it like a small iPad.
1: No, no, they're not. And I don't think it's... a. Especially because the iPad market seems to be, you know, pretty established in either the cheaper iPad, the nine point seven, and the iPad Pro line. I don't think people using a nine point seven or a ten point five or a twelve point nine, they will accept an iPhone Plus as a substitute for whatever they, they're doing on an iPad. So I I would also roll my eyes at that belief that you know with an iPhone Plus now folks who are using iPads will stop using and buying iPads to just use the iPhone because from a an ergonomic and UI perspective it's a it's it's a different device yes it runs some of the same apps but you wouldn't want to work at a desk with an iPhone plus and a bluetooth keyboard that would be horrible like ipad users will not accept that as a replacement and not even casual users like if you're buying an iPad for your kid, or because you want to, because you want to read some books at night, you're not gonna get an iPhone Plus instead. Um, so yes, it is going to be more useful for more people that can do more. But if you made up your mind that you want to use an iPad, especially for work, which is what apparently most people do with the iPad these days, because the, you know, we can talk about the numbers and the ASP and all that stuff. I don't think you're going to get an iPhone Plus as a replacement. And unless you are that niche of uh, extremely casual iPad users who also use an iPad mini and very infrequently, then maybe you will just say, you know what, I'll just watch Netflix on my iPhone. But I I don't think that should concern the iPad division at Apple that this phone is going to... Um, Cut into the iPad profits. Do
0: you got anything else you want to add on the the iPhone lineup?
1: Just one note that, um, and it's a question that I wonder if the one of the differentiator. Uh, differentiators here between the, the 9 and the 10 if it's going to be the aluminum versus steel and I wonder is it is it limited to just the band around the device or is it is it also aluminum in the back and if it's also in the back
0: how can you enable wireless charging? I think I'm pretty sure I read in the report that he mentions it will keep glass. Okay. It's a bit difficult cuz he's mentioning like multiple different things, but yeah, I think that it will keep glass. And that would be weird because that would be a regression from the 8. If it if it went with an aluminum back instead of a glass back, you're regressing, which doesn't make any sense, right? Like that that would be a bad decision, I mm-hmm. think.
1: So yeah, it'll probably just be the band and support uh wireless charging because they're making this big move into air power in theory uh, and wireless charging what's that
0: sorry <laughs> <laughs> is that a product that exists that, I, the, don't the, I don't know
1: i i really want i was thinking today about air power that i actually want like a couple of those um are you still not in the wireless charging uh you know bandwagon mike no <laughs> okay. there isn't
0: there isn't a wireless charging product that exists today that entices me okay Hmm. I don't, I'm not like a wireless charging denier, right? Because like <laughs> no, I think... there is someone in my household that uses it every single day, right? Like I don't think that it's bad. It's just, it just doesn't do anything for me, mm. like personally, that, yeah, that yeah. I, I already have products that do what I want and there is no wireless charging product currently on the market that gives me anything different.
1: You you are the, uh, the cable equivalent of a flat earther. Like a like a like a
0: cabler, yeah. like a lightning, yeah. l-
1: lightninger.
0: <laughs> Power comes from cables only. <laughs> today's show is also brought to you by PDF pen from smile PDF pen equips you with everything that you need for more powerful PDF editing it is the ultimate tool the ultimate tool for editing PDFs and going paperless it is time to get your documents in order and with PDF pen you can you'll be able to split and combine PDF documents to send just the right things to people who need them you'll be able to quickly and easily fill in PDF forms whether they're interactive or not PDF pen don't care about that you can even add page numbers redact account information information. information or perform ocr on scanned documents hey if you're looking for something in particular in a document you can find and automatically highlight all instances of a specific term as well and when pdfs need a small fix or a tweak like correcting a typo you can use pdf pen to sort that out i've done that a bunch of times like i've gone through created a document in pages i saved it out like i'm ready to go i've signed it and i'm like oh done and then I can I I realize I made a spelling error which happens to me quite a lot Um, so I can go in with PDF Pen and I can fix it just fix it straight into the PDF it's so so handy it saves you from having to go through that whole rigmarole all over again PDF Pen 3 is tailor made for iOS 11 as well so you can get all those great benefits no matter where you are on all of your devices and PDF Pen Pro on the Mac can now create PDF portfolios as well which can be great for presenting year end documents if you're in that mode right now if you're thinking about trying PDF Pen out. Now's the time to do it. They've added over 100 enhancements with their most recent release of PDF Pen 9. Get organized. It's the time to go get organized. Go to smilesoftware.com slash podcast to see what PDF Pen can do for you, and don't forget to tell them that you heard about them on Connected. At smilesoftware.com podcast to find out more. Our thanks to PDF Pen from Smile for their support of this show and Relay FM. So there's a rumor in mac rumors this came from previously mentioned ming chi kuo we're in rumor season right now Mm -hmm. um i think this is mostly because this is a real like dead time for for like especially apple news right so rumors kind of take over but it is interesting you know we have a lot of good discussion about it and this is a new one this is a brand new one according to ming chi kuo Apple is planning to create their own over-the-ear headphones. They will have what is referred to as an all-new design, and my my thought on that is, well, yes, of course, because it doesn't exist right now. It's, <laughs> like, any design is all new, and will include the W one and W two chip. Both of them, um, apparently. Oh, W one or oh, I should okay. say w1 or w2 chip like whatever is around right because there are also rumors that there are new airpods coming with mm-hmm. a w2 chip so i guess it depends whatever the current is okay. or maybe they put both of them in who knows i doubt that i doubt that but you never know uh, apparently apple is currently lining up part suppliers uh do you think that apple would make these that do you think this is a thing Do you read this read <laughs> yeah. this rumor and you're like yeah this makes sense um
1: it does from the perspective perspective of Apple is making a home pod for your
0: ears therefore a head pod in the sense of the ma- Please don't please don't come up with product names for them please don't do that don't be that guy yeah,
1: I I know <laughs> I know that you I know you know I have so much fun pretending <laughs> making up pro- Apple product names there's folks who do it on Twitter like seriously
0: and that's why i don't <laughs> just keep them in your own brain i do i do it
1: sarcastically just for you because i know you love
0: it um, i have no problem with like um mm-hmm.
1: macbook adorable using, that you, type of stuff
0: well i never come up with those yeah <laughs> I proliferate them uh i just don't like headpod that's real bad why don't it's you not, wanna, i'm sorry Federico. don't you want
1: a headpod
0: <laughs> i really i could tell you i really don't want to do
1: that <laughs> you, do you want phone pods is that what you want, Mike? foam pods, or I don't even know
0: what you would call over the ear headphones. All right.
1: So anyway, the, the the real point is that I could see a space. Oh God,
0: they might actually call them headpod. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so the, the, my <laughs> my point
1: is that there's a there's a space I think between, or rather, like like a niche of. People like me who would like something that are not Beats headphones, because I find the... It's not even the Beats sound, which I, I'm not super a fan of, but I also don't think it's the end of the world, like the...
0: If you change your opinion on that, you used to like the sound of Beats, right? I, li- I will I say li- for the record, to help you, I liked... I had a pair, of, uh, a pair of Beats and I liked the way they sounded.
1: I like them. I don't love them. Um there's right. I think they work best for some types of music. Uh the sound that I love is something more similar to the b second gen. Um you know it's tends to be more you know I don't want to talk about sound but I think the beats works best for hip hop and you know uh, EDM that that type of stuff. But my main problem with the Beats, so it's not the sound. And I know that a lot of people think Beats are like the Antichrist or something. No, I think they're totally fine sound-wise. Um, my main problem is that even the Beats Studio, which I'm wearing right now, I, I'm, I use them to do podcasts. I cannot wear them for multiple hours because they give me a headache. Even if in theory they are over-ear headphones, the, they still, they're not big enough for me. Um, whatever it is, they just give me a headache. Uh, they're not as bad as the Solo, uh, which are on-ear headphones. Those give me a headache in like twenty minutes. Um, so and I think there's a there, there's a, a way for Apple to make a product that sounds even better than the Beats headphones. Um, that is much more comfortable and that approaches the high-end the same way that the HomePod approaches the high-end of home speakers, and that is easy to use, has insane battery life, uh, is easy to configure like AirPods, and has some kind of Siri integration, and maybe active noise cancelling. Um, I could see... Because I, I I know that I want this type of product when... I sit down to just listen to music, which is something that uh, I think not everybody does, just sitting down to listen to music, because most of us, we treat music as background, background, fancy background noise. Uh, That's what music for many people is, me included, because most of the time I just leave music in the background. But there's also times when... Like, like a couple of hours at night where I just, I want to go through my music library and I want to listen to music without doing anything else. I want to read the lyrics. I want to just listen to music. And those types of headphones would be great. Now, is that a niche big enough to justify making a product? Maybe, because, uh, you know, uh, Apple makes... I
0: bet you it's bigger than
1: HomePod. It's bigger than HomePod. And there's, uh, I don't think there would be any confusion as to what, is, you know, under beats and what is made by Apple... Um, you know I don't see because there's folks saying people don't know there's folks saying oh but what What? what, there's a problem because there's the Beats Studio and then the Apple headphones no because Apple makes AirPods and they also sell the Beats Sport and the Beats X it's not a problem
0: Beats is a brand that people know I I don't think that everybody that knows the Beats brand knows that Apple own Beats and and even if they do I don't think anybody cares Like this, I don't don't think that that is uh, too, too much of a problem like it's not an issue for them i have a thought about noise cancelling um this feels like something that apple will turn around and be like we've solved noise cancelling right and they'll have like a way that they do it which is different. Like, I feel like if any feature, Machine
1: learning, that's what you're, what you're looking for. You know what for. I mean? Like,
0: something, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, yeah. there is just a thing that they will be able to say, like, we have done... If I mean, I would say, like, if, if they're going to be able to turn around and say that they're doing anything new... I mean, it might just be that they just... It's everything we currently know and they make nice headphones. But, like, if they have some kind of innovative feature, I can imagine it being some new way of doing noise oh, cancelling weird. that nobody else yeah. has thought of. And the only reason I want this the only reason i think of this is because noise cancelling currently however it is i don't know why but it makes me feel nauseous Uh, and i just hope that apple would find some
2: way of doing it where it wouldn't but honestly i can't believe that that's the case same for me noise cancellation is like someone tickling the inside of my brain but the part of my brain that is directly connected to vomiting it's it's really awful
1: I have tried at least four different versions of ANC by Soniser, uh, by Beats, by Pioneer, and by someone else I don't remember, um, and it's it works. I actually think the the noise canceling in the Pioneer. Um, uh, lightning uh, earbuds is my favorite one but it still does some weird stuff to your brain you know that that sort of hiss mm-hmm. that you have constantly in your ears uh it i can't stand it's that. it's unsettling for a lot of people and it i understand why there could be there could be an opportunity for apple to say we've figured out a way to make this better because we have I don't know tons of data about people and we have a lot of resources to get this right. I I could see that I could see that I. There's a question that I wanted to ask you. Um, so let's assume that this product is real and Apple is entering you know this uh, high-end audio space with uh, the home speaker and with the with the over-ear headphones. Now, why did Apple buy Beats? It's a question that has been going in, in my brain for, for a while now. And I was looking at this story again, with, uh, you know in hindsight, uh, because it's been like three or four years now. So the Apple has so far improved parts of the Beats product line with stuff like the W-series chips, uh, longer battery life and better uh, you know, reliability. They they have not dramatically changed the designs of
0: Beats stuff, which arguably is the entire point because people know Beats. I feel like that would be a bad idea, right? If they would have come in and changed the design, because like Beats are popular because of the design.
1: They haven't also dramatically improved the sound quality. Is uh, I would say that probably the Studio Three they sounds slightly better than the Studio Two. Um, beats music was entirely replaced uh with a, arguably with an inferior product with apple music beats music was doing things way ahead of spotify uh, four years ago and some
0: stuff that nobody else is doing nobody still, else is doing like, it today yeah. four
1: years later um and now apple is making apparently their own audio accessories with the with the home airpods and maybe these headphones so was this part of the plan when buying Beats or do you think that maybe Apple had a different vision that didn't exactly work out and now they're just trying to make the best of this situation
0: well my thought would be that they bought Beats so they could make Apple Music and AirPods and these over the ear headphones like my my thought would be that they bought the people Mm. and the technology Mm. like Beats may have done all of this on their own, in a parallel universe, like they may have made AirPods, right? Like these tiny little in-ear Bluetooth, completely untethered things. Like we don't, you know, we don't know what they had in their labs, right? You know, so I, I, my feeling would be that like they bought Beats so they could make a new headphone line of their own so they could also have people and talent and developers and curators to make Apple Music and also own the most popular headphone brand in the world, just as a side note. Like, that's how I would look at it. I mean, you know, I know that there are people that understand how to do wireless technology inside of Apple, but I would really expect that they got some help from company that they bought that makes headphones it would be kind of wild if they
1: didn't so you think they bought them because of the 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 people the technology and the
0: prestige of owning beats yeah i think and i think it is a mix of all of it which is why they've been very particular about what they changed and what they didn't right like beats music did not was not gonna win against spotify right like that was not gonna happen for them i don't think so they changed that right they bought that and changed that beats headphones you'd be dumb to call them apple headphones because then people not the same people that buy beats headphones probably wouldn't buy the apple ones right because it's a completely different brand it has a different message right and like you can see it right they beats branding and advertising has not changed like their brand message is is basically the same as it was before, and they have ads that you see it every now and then. People like will tweet about an ad to be like, "Oh, Apple made this, right?" It was like, "No, but no though, mm. like it still beats, right?" Like because people were like making jokes about that Beats pill, right, and it had that like rubber dude you could put put it in. Yes, remember. But, like, that's their brand. Like, you'd be crazy to buy a company like Beats and then change the brand. Like, it is it is a branding company that sells headphones. And it
1: also kind of right? explains like, why they're still using mini-USB uh, instead of lightning. Because there's, a, you know, Android users, they don't have lightning cables. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's bigger. It's bigger than that. It, it would be almost like a thumb in the eye to your a big part of your user base, right? Like... There are people that don't want that. They're not going to use that. Really, they should move to USB C, right? Which they probably will, yeah. right? And then, then you can hit everyone because everyone has those now, in theory. So yeah, I, I think that like you buy a company like Beats to to drain it for the talent that you need, um, and then you keep it going as an important thing, and you do cross pollination, right? So like, you would never know that the Beats X and the Solo Three had anything to do with Apple. But yet they carry a chip in them that Apple, in theory, designed. Right. But it doesn't say on there anywhere that it's like the Apple chip. It might like say, like, oh, works great with the iPhone mm-hmm. be- because of this. But they don't start throwing huge iPhone images and logos all over it. Like, right. they kept it pretty chill because they're smart enough to understand that that brand is useful on its own. But then you start making Apple branded stuff because you can then suck more oxygen out of another market. Do you think...
1: So let's assume that Apple is making these headphones. And the the, mm-hmm. the, the reasoning is Apple should... Maybe like a Tim classic Tim Cook strategy of... Apple should make a first-party version of all the things where our customers are spending money Um so let's assume that Apple is wants to move to almost like a Xiaomi-like ecosystem of we're just huh. gonna make yeah, everything. Yeah. Uh, should Apple make sensors for your home? Should Apple make um, you know heart rate chest straps? Should they make light bulbs? Uh, because if we follow this idea of um, people are buying headphones, well, we'll make our own iPhones, like you know, like Bender from Futurama <laughs> type of scenario. Uh, do you think they should make their own stuff from everything for every single area of the most important areas maybe of the iPhone ecosystem because if we follow that idea then i could see like an apple apple scale an apple light bulb an apple um you know humidifier <laughs> weather sensor like an apple everything so i wonder where
0: does apple draw the line in terms of it's difficult right because like the, my my like immediate gut reaction answer to that is oh well they just make things within the area that they play in but that area is growing mm-hmm. right so like the area that apple always make things in areas that they play in but yet that now includes headphones and <laughs> speakers exactly. in yeah. the home and things that you put on your body right so like that just keeps growing i think that like there are logical ways to move but if I'm Tim Cook I will make as much as I possibly can because I don't have an iPhone in me right like I don't have the new revolutionary thing Mm -hmm. so considering they probably don't have that right like I'm just going to naturally assume that in current development at Apple there is not the next revolution and this is nothing against anybody that works there but like because they,
1: they don't know what the next revolution is. Well,
0: I was going to say, this should be once in a lifetime for people. I mean, it was for Steve Jobs like two or three times in a lifetime, but like the iPhone should be a once in a lifetime type thing. And so th- there's no, there shouldn't be an expectation that they have in a product lab the thing that's going to dethrone the iPhone, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's not how this stuff works. So if I'm Tim Cook, I'm like, well what we have to do is just make sure that nobody ever leaves us. Yeah. So we just keep making as much as we can. It's what Mark Zuckerberg is doing. It's on al- Facebook. It's almost like
1: a, an insurance for your company to sort of saturate yeah. your the well, ecosystem. All
0: of these big tech companies are doing this, right? Like Amazon just bought the Ring doorbell. Right. Because they are doing everything they can like Google is like Facebook is like Apple is to extend into your life a, a point that you cannot let go.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like that's all it is. They just want to make sure that they lock in everyone that they have and then make it even more appealing for people to join. That's what all these tech companies are doing now. And I mean, that's what you do, right? Like to a, to a to infinitesimally small degree, me and you do that with our businesses. like, You expand within the realm that you can, and you keep growing it in a way that people want to keep coming to you to consume whatever they're consuming. Right. Yes. So, like, we just launched a a subnet, right, which is a daily tech news briefing, because that is a new area of podcasting that we think we could do pretty well. And we want to make sure that people consume FM content in their lives. So... We do that. It's like you, you and John thought that you had some interesting stories to tell and could create a new podcast for people, so they could consume Mac Stories content in a new way. Yeah. And you take off a piece of that audience, so you created App Stories. Like this is what businesses do to survive, but Apple is doing it at a scale which is so huge, it is you know it is unforeseen previously. So yeah, if I'm Tim Cook, I'm gonna keep making weird and wonderful technology things that people can bring into their lives so that they'll never leave me.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting contrast between... You know, a few years ago, Apple sort of... When they were still the underdog, in a way, uh, all these experiments, they would have been like the weird and fun experiments of a, of a company trying to survive. And now that they're this huge corporation... Um, the weird experiments are still an attempt to survive maybe, but I see them and I think people see them in a different light of, Oh, now Apple is going after all these other smaller companies because they want to eat their lunch and they want to make sure that, you know, that people spend more Apple money. Uh, and I mean, you could, you could see this concept in multiple areas, like even Apple pay with the Apple wallet and the Apple pay cash card. Um, Like, it's a way to make sure that you never leave. And uh, some people think it's creepy. And I think, like, when you think about it, it is not creepy, but unsettling in a sense that there's this corporation that owns you. Like, you know, they control your home uh, automation framework
0: and your health records and your money uh, to an extent. Uh, I, yeah. I don't think it's like it, it. it is it is it is disconcerting that, you know, that somewhere inside of Apple, there are meetings every day and it's and like written on the wall is a phrase like lock in. Yes. You know that I would expect they probably have their own phrase for this. So it doesn't sound so whatever. But the, the sentiment is still there. Right. I mean, that's what the services division is. Yes. Right. Like continuing to find ways to increase the hold that you have on the customer.
1: Yeah. And uh, I'm uh, the the strangest thing to admit f- for me is that I am not put off by that idea of, you know, as long as this stuff works better for me, I don't care. The, and this is yeah, scary. it's the trade-off. It's, it's the trade-off
0: uh, you make. But it's
1: kind of scary to admit that, like. I'm fine with letting a corporation control all, th- all these aspects of my life. And to the point where I, I kind of feel bad. With, uh, and I'm like, no, I should be, you know, I, I should be concerned. I should be worried. But then I think about it, I'm like, no, I'm not. And I'm fine with it because I don't, you know, better Apple than than someone else. But I also like, when I think about it, I also know that it it is concerning so I you know and all this discussion coming we were just talking about headphones but I was trying to kind of consider the bigger idea of Apple making more different type of things and how it relates to like you're into this huge ecosystem and there's a single corporation and a single CEO that you know they call the shots here uh, and how does that make me feel? And I feel both happy because it works and concerned when I think about it because it's kind of creepy. Not in the sense that I think Apple is creepy, but in the sense of there's an entity that controls this stuff and there's nothing I can do about it. And instead, I'm here, I'm just a, a, like a stupid guy here liking all of this. You know, does it make sense? Like this, this contrast of feelings about this sort of scenario...
0: Yeah, I just decided not to worry about it. And and the reason is, <laughs> I mean, I can appreciate it, but I don't worry about it because I weigh up my benefit. Yeah. And yeah. I figure that I'm happy to let the companies have this stuff, let them have the information about me, let them become every device I own in my life because I'm happy to trade it off. And I know that there are people that aren't and like more power to you, right? Like yeah. that's your decision. And like you can live your life in the way that you want to live it. I just choose to... Go for the easiest possible route, yes. especially when it comes to my technology, because I have so many other things to do. And if I can get something that works in a way that I'm happy with and does all of the things that I want, I'm willing to make tradeoffs. Like, that's, 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 uh, that's what all of this stuff is. That's
1: exactly my approach, that um, I'm just aware of what I'm trading off. And I'm fine with it as long as it works better.
0: (laughs) As long as you're aware and you're making the decision, you're the one with the real power, Federico. You just keep telling yourself that.
1: That's what I'm telling myself. As long as you're the one
0: making the decision, you're in control. Nobody else. That decision you made completely free of any influence from any third party in any way. That's your decision, buddy. Yeah,
1: as long as you, you know, through the looking glass, essentially.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, I'm going to let people make a decision completely on their own about what website monitoring tool to use. Um, but just whilst they're making that decision, I want to tell them about Pingdom. Pingdom is the company who offer uptime monitoring and web performance management. Hey, let me tell you about them, right? If your website was down, this is, this is who you want to know about. Because how would visitors access your content or click that all-important buy now button? How would you know if your website was down? You wouldn't until it was too late unless you use Pingdom, because they give you the peace of mind that you need. Pingdom will let you know the moment your website goes down in whatever way is best for you. They are dedicated to making the web faster and more reliable. If you're a Pingdom user, monitoring the availability and performance of your server, database, or website will be a breeze. They use more than 70 global test servers to emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. Start monitoring your website today. All you need to do is give Pingdom the URL and they'll take care of everything else. Go to Pingdom.com slash Relay FM right now, and you'll get yourself a 14 day free trial with no credit card required to do so. Then, when you sign up, use the code Connected at checkout to save a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. So, I want to tell, I want to talk to you about fingerprint readers. Okay.
1: Do you remember those? Uh, from, uh, from a few years ago, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. F- fingerprint readers in phones. So, uh, a week or two ago, MKBHD uh, had a video where he was showing off the Vivo X20 Plus UD, which is a phone that includes that you could you can it's, I, I believe it is available like it is a phone that you can buy um, that includes a fingerprint reader in the screen. It's made by a company called Synaptics. Um, It is what's known as an optical sensor. It only works on OLED displays for technical reasons that I don't fully understand. Um, And it can only scan your fingerprint at specific moments because what it needs to do is a light needs to be shone onto your finger from inside the display, which you can see. The screen lights up. You can make a little animation, but what it's doing is illuminating the screen at that point point. So then it can read your fingerprint. So this means that you have to wait for the phone to be ready, which is kind of like Face ID, right? Like you raise the phone to wake it or tap the screen and then it looks at you, right? So it's similar in that you'd have to like tap the screen or unlock it or raise the phone up. So it's ready to shine the light onto the sensor area and monitor your fingerprint. Now in MKBHD's tests, he uh, concluded that it is faster than Face ID, but slower than Touch ID. Right, So it sits somewhere in the middle. And that is because like, whilst it is, it's quicker at doing the authentication than face ID is, but you still have to do something to let the phone know that you're ready. right? And uh, Synaptics have said that, in theory, uh, the sensor is unlimited in size. So you could make it as big or as small as you want. And they've just done this. So Mobile World Congress is this week, or just this past week, um, and they have a concept phone. Uh, Called the Vivo Apex, and what this has done, it is taken the screen, taken the the sensor from like the size of your fingertip, which it was in the in the, the their phone that you can get now, the X20, and they've extended it to become basically the bottom quarter of the entire display of the phone. So you can effectively just put your finger or your thumb anywhere on that area of the screen. And it will unlock. It can scan it and unlock. Um, Just as a side note, this phone also includes what I think is a kind of cool pop-out selfie camera. So the selfie camera pops out at the top of the phone. And they do this so they can keep super tiny bezels without needing a cutout. Which is kind of cute and i kind of i think i kind of love it i don't think i would want it on oh an my God, iphone it really does pop out <laughs> but like i kind of think it's really fun like there's something kind of fun about it it just pops out when you need it and then you don't have to worry about the nsa looking at you all the time um uh, marquez predicts uh that this may become a widespread feature in phones by 2019 because it's kind of There is, you know, there's still some quirks about it, right? Like a company like Samsung would probably only want to do it when they could scan a larger area, right? So there's an additional benefit, Um, and that technology, whilst available now, is taking time to roll out. and And I believe, from what I can piece together on this, I think Synaptics are making these phones so people will buy their fingerprint chips, right? Like they are a company that has created this technology that can do the fingerprint scanning so they are making phones in lim- in small quantities and also phones that you can that they're showing in concepts mm, mm. so people will uh will buy that it's, so um, by the way yeah. I, I don't know if i mentioned but the vivo apex concept phone that was a, a video done by the verge um, who yeah. were at uh, Mobile world congress so this is technology that is now beginning to exist, right? Like it was something that we were talking about a bunch when thinking about what the a bezelless phone, iPhone would look like. So, having thought about this, having looked at this, would you want this? Would you give up Face ID for this kind of fingerprint reader? Nah, uh,
1: I why I, what why I was reminded of this today, um, or rather yesterday. Uh, it snowed real bad in Rome and i was wearing gloves and um i realized when i uh, unlocked my phone that it was not a problem uh, like it was last year when i went on you know on to the Alps for uh, for the holidays, and it was constantly a problem. Yes, I could have I could have bought you know iPhone compatible gloves, but I didn't want to worry about it. And instead, with Face ID, it was not a not a problem. And uh, and I and I realized, oh yeah, it's nice that this is no longer a concern. Or uh, any time I like. I take a shower and then I can use my iPhone and I can unlock without having to, you know, wipe my hand real, real good because it's, uh, you know, water interferes with Touch ID, you know, all that stuff. I like Face ID. Yes, it's not perfect, but the times that it's not perfect are less important than the daily problems and limitations of Touch ID. So I would not want to go back. I like face ID more than touch ID. What about in addition? I don't see I don't see the point of having in addition to face ID I just I think Apple should make one single biometric authentication system that works great, not a couple that work okay. Um, I think once I would rather have Apple uh, invest all of their time and money on making face ID, better than saying, oh, we're going to stay on Face ID first gen for a while and then also roll back Touch ID inside the screen. Um, I could see the accessibility arguments for uh, saying, well, Touch ID uh, worked better for some types of users because of some uh, physical limitations that are involved with Face ID. But at you know for the majority of people i think either there's a way to make face id work for everybody or it's just not worth it to bring back touch id and add complexity even just for developers to account for two different systems or two different interfaces um i think uh, i think we're past the touch id era and we're going to see face id everywhere uh, I, I, it would be strange, I think, to see Apple saying, no, "Oh, we're bringing it back, and now you need to choose." Um, I don't think it's happening.
0: I agree that I don't think that they would ever do it. Um, my only point would be, I really hate having to enter my passcode, and I definitely have to still enter my passcode more than I ever entered my passcode to Touch ID. Really? Yeah, it still fails on me, and and it fails on me in situations where I can't work it out. Right. All I really want is like just some kind of secret way that I can tap something on the screen to let the let it scan my face again. Right. Like, tell the phone to scan it again. Like it failed once. Yeah. Let's yeah. Let's do this over. Like that's what I want really. Like even if it like just tap the padlock and it will do another scan. Because sometimes I might I know there's a reason that it wouldn't work. So sometimes it doesn't work and I don't know why it is. Right. And 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 I feel like I'm having to like. Turn like lock and un- yeah, turn off the screen, rewake the screen because I'm still, and one of the reasons for me for this is I'm still doing the thing where it shows me my notifications after it does the face ID thing, right? So sometimes I just want to read my notification on my phone or whatever and it won't unlock and I don't know why. So I would like it for that, um, but outside of that, like I don't want, I don't want touch id or fingerprint sensors instead of the face sensor because i do really like all of the benefits that it has right like as you mentioned right that you don't need to be if you're out in the snow and you got your gloves on you don't need to scan your fingerprint and i like that when i hold my phone i just look at my phone and it unlocks like i like that sort of stuff when it works it is like a million times better but it doesn't work 100 percent consistently yeah. And it doesn't work as consistently as uh, fingerprint scanning did. And and I hope and believe that Apple will just make it better and better over time. But in a, it let's just imagine, hypothetically, if this was as good as it could ever get, then I would also kind of like a fingerprint sensor as well as like a secondary. So I don't have to enter in a passcode anymore. I hate entering the passcode. I feel like a Luddite when I'm entering the passcode because I feel like I've gone back so far right at that point, you know. 'Cause this, this was never a thing that you had to do with touch ID. And one of the reasons and one of the reasons I think it sticks out to me more is if touch ID, if touch ID failed, you had a way to just make it do it again. And I think that it makes the failures stand out more to me because if it fails, I can't make it do it again. Uh,
1: um, yeah. yeah, I'm I'm on the record saying that I, I don't like the lock screen UI. Uh, I think it should be done better. I think there should be like just the design itself. There should be, it should be different and it should allow you to more easily say repeat this process, repeat this step. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I'm with you on this. I think part of the problem could be fixed by a redesign of the lock screen and the authentication dialogue that comes up but um the the thing where you you get more you know failed um scan sessions uh that that's that's interesting uh that it's not getting better because the the whole system was built on the assumption that because of machine I, I, learning I think
0: it might be getting better. I, I I don't think it's getting worse. I think it might be getting better, but it is still failing on me, mm-hmm. right? Like it still fails and it fails more than i want it to fail yeah right Hmm. but like i will say i do notice that like there are times recently where it is unlocking where my hand is clearly obscuring part of my face and i'm like good work right like Hmm. i can see you're getting better now because you're only seeing like 75 percent of my face and you know it's me so like i know it's getting better but then there are times where it doesn't work. And I'm like, I can't work because out what I'm supposed to give maybe you. Maybe now
1: the iPhone assumes that the hand is part of your face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no. that's I've trained it well, badly. Now,
1: now you've created another problem.
0: <laughs> now I have to like just draw some fingers on my face and that's how I live. But yeah, these fingerprint scanners, these are going to show up in, in a bunch of Android phones, I think. Because I mean, like, if I'm a, if I am an uh, an Android phone maker, like, I would hang on to fingerprint scanning for a while because it's a differentiator. For people that want that, they don't, they can't buy an iPhone anymore. Like, if you do, if you are like, I was gonna say, like, biometrically imposed uh, to using uh, it's a terrible, terrible pun, and shouldn't <laughs> be allowed to do anything anymore. <sighs> Um, like if you don't want to use a f- like a Face ID thing, like if you don't want to use that, Apple can't give you that product if you want a new phone. I c- right? I
1: could see like, I could see the argument for like companies that d- their security policies they do not allow face scanning for some reason. Um, I because it's new, yeah, right?
0: and I feel that's perfectly fair because because it, it's, re- it's it's more new and fingerprint scanning has been around for a very very long time.
1: That's the only, that's the only uh, possible argument that I can think of, of. Businesses that require fingerprints and therefore are not adopting iPhones or future iPads because they only ship with Face ID. But I don't know. That seems like a policy that could be changed rather than forcing Apple to roll back Touch ID.
0: All right. Are we done for today? I think so. I think we did I think we did a good job. Uh I I'm very proud of us. If you want to find uh, our show notes, go to relay.fm slash connected slash one eighty two. Oh, by the way, thank you if you bought a t shirt. Um we're very happy with the the sales of the tiny head T, uh and we can put the rest Tiny Heads Forever now. Uh, Thank you if you bought a T-shirt. They'll be shipping out to you pretty soon, I think. Very excited to get mine. Um, If you want to find Federico online, he is at Vittici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I on Twitter, and you can find his work at maxstories.net. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. You can find this show and many other shows that I do and uh, many other wonderful people do at relay.fm slash shows. Um, If you want to wish Stephen Hackett back to the show, he is at ISMH uh, on Twitter. Maybe you can be the reason that he will be let out of his banishment jail uh, to return to us next time. I'm not at banishment jail. I'm just editing the show. Come on. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Thank you to our sponsors, the wonderful people at Squarespace, Smile with PDF Pen and Pingdom. And we'll be back next week. Until then, say goodbye, Federico. Arrivederci. Adios.